Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Everybody and welcome to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm Steven Jodderand. And I'm Jake Watroba. And on today's episode, we have friend of the show, Antoine Latrin. He is the editor-in-chief of Culture Soccer, a French outlet covering U.S. soccer. Talk about coronavirus, Liga MX, and MLS. Listeners, follow us on Twitter at Uncle Sam's Soccer Pod. We always enjoy your feedback and comments, so continue to send them in. Don't forget, you can always find the show on any major podcast platform. Now, let's get to today's show. All righty, Jake. I've already lost track of how many days it's been without sports. Um, Cabin fever has been reduced. I don't know. I went on a walk. Walking's good. Listeners, I recommend walking. Obviously, walk not in a massive crowd of people but go on walks it's good for the brain good for the soul get some fresh air gets you out of your house without really infecting anybody yeah or you could be like me and just hunker down you're fine <laughs> just stay in your house you can do that too if you're if you're a homebody you're a home yeah that's yeah that's that's fair anyway we got a fantastic episode with antoine Talking all things, uh, well, not all things, but some MLS, some Liga MX, some European soccer, and obviously we talk about the coronavirus and just kind of give you some perspective of what life is like right now. Antoine spends time between England and France. And before we get to that, listeners, question of the day. This is probably the dumbest question I'll ever ask Jake on the show because this is such a question of the times. But if there is one player in Major League Soccer that you want on your team, in your case, you're Minnesota United. So whatever team that is, listeners, mention it in the comments or whatever way you send it to us. Who would you want? I mean, it's it's Carlos Vela, isn't it? Isn't that kind of obvious? Yeah, I guess. And, yeah, or you're going to go, you're going to say, well, you know, there's some big games, so uh, I want Jordan Morris. <laughs> That's what you're going to say, right? That's that's, oh, what, that's a good well. In the, what are we talking about the playoffs? Maybe I'll take Jordan Morris. He he had a pretty good good playoff run there with Seattle last season. No, I mean Carlos Vela, Joseph Martinez if he were healthy. Um, I you as much as I would say one of the the Miami DPS, I just haven't seen them enough to say yeah they're going to work in MLS. Like for for all for all the crap that Ibrahimovic got while he was with the LA Galaxy. He performed, and I would say if he were still in the league, I'd take him. Why? Because he produced. Now, he had a ton of baggage with him, and I think he he was a detriment to the Galaxy more so than he was a positive. Uh, yeah, you, I think there also could be an argument to be made that maybe some of the players in the Galaxy are soft. Looking at you, Whoa. Sebastian Legette. Whoa. Uh Especially considering how it w- they talked about how it's like a weight or a burden lift- lifted off their shoulders now that he's gone. And then they go and just – they lay an egg in their home opener against the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then they play a 
Houston Dynamo side that was missing a few key players to a 1-1 draw to open the season. I don't know. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. Galaxy have not or didn't look very good their first two matches. Do you think Carlos Vela would be successful in every team he'd go to? Yes. Even playing uh, on turf or teams that are not? You never, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think you could plug him in any, in any team and he would – he would make that team he would make that team at the very least probably a playoff team well I don't want to say that there's probably a couple teams could you imagine him playing being with Atlanta like maybe 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 I'm gonna roast it because people are gonna say well he's not gonna fit blah 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 Frank the board system is not you make you make you, (laughs) you make Carlos Vela fit you make Carlos Vela fit, but I think he'd be very good. I think I think what makes Carlos Vela good and why he produces so well is that he has players around him that are decently good, right? Can you could you say that about Ibrahimovic with the Galaxy last year? Obviously, Pavon was a great addition, but how many of the players with the Galaxy would have started in that LFC squad? It's a, it's a fascinating question. Anyway, listeners, question of the day. What MLS player could would you want on your team if you could have them? Is it as simple as Carlos Vela? Is it Joseph Martinez? Chicharito? You need the marketing? Do you? What, maybe you're a team that needs some marketing. And you're like, screw that. I, I we need Maybe you're FC Dallas. <laughs> Houston. Chicago. All right, the list goes on. Anyway, listeners, let's get to Antoine. Joining us now on the show is the editor-in-chief of Culture Soccer. You can follow him on Twitter at Antoine Latran. It is Antoine Latran. Antoine, how's it going? Hi, guys. It's going very well. Yeah, Thank you for having me on the show. Well, Antoine, first of all, we're, we're glad that you are safe. That is always most important in these, in these dire times, it feels like. But, man, it's been, it's been a crazy, crazy few weeks. Yeah, it has. Um, I really didn't see that coming. Like two weeks ago, everyone was just chilling about it. The MLS was starting to think about canceling the season. And then suddenly, you know, after Italy, all the dominoes fell one after each other. And uh, here I am locked down in in Paris, uh, haven't been out in like five or six days. And yeah, it's been crazy, crazy past week. But at least, you know, you get some work done being stuck at home. Obviously, you you're right now in France. You spend a lot of time in England and in France. But the the reaction to coronavirus, and particularly to relating to soccer to football, were were people or were fans really that concerned, or did they really not care? They just wanted the seasons to go on and, and let's get these games played. Um, I think the most vivid memory I have was watching Juventus Inter Milan, these two heavyweights in Syria this season, go at each other behind closed doors and. Jake, I remember you and I were texting each other, and you thought the game was was horrendously boring because you you just didn't have the fans. But Antoine, were were people angry? Were they pissed that the the games were being clo- be played behind closed doors? I mean, PSG played a Champions League against Dortmund behind closed doors at the Parc de Prince. So yeah, there was different um, episode. I would say what's really interesting is it all started, I think, with the first leg of Lyon Juventus. Um, that's when the crisis was starting to get really bad in, in Italy. And the, um, the UEFA and the Champions League still allowed all the Italian fans to come to Lyon. So that was like 3,000 people from the north of Italy. So it's not Milan. At the time, only Milan was touched by the virus. 
that uh, 3,000 fans of Juventus came into Lyon and people started to say, like, well, maybe it's not a good idea to have all these people coming into Lyon and then coming back. That's when, like, I think the opinion, just like the public audience kind of started feeling that uh, maybe that virus was more serious than we thought because we could have to cancel things like that. Um, for the PSG game, it was really weird because that was a week later. Um, so I said like two weeks ago or something like that. Um, and that was even weirder because they still had fans outside the stadium. There was something like a thousand fans outside the stadium doing um, pyros and tifos and singing after the game. And the PSG players went to them like uh, Kurzawa, um, the back, I think right back, left back, can remember. But he was uh, playing like, sorry, uh, singing and and um, celebrating with the fans outside the stadium after the game. And at the time, everyone was kind of saying, like, wow, it's amazing. Look at the Parisian fans, so much passion. They're still here celebrating. But the day after, we saw, like, coverage from Italy, for example, where the lockdown was starting and Italian press just saying they were totally unconscious and, and playing, acting stupidly. Um, so that's, I think, when people started to understand that maybe there's something more important than, than football and that maybe the fans should not have done that. And then, uh, so I was in the UK a week ago, and a week ago, at first, uh, bef- when all the games were getting cancelled in England, in France, in Spain, in Italy, the UK government decided first it shouldn't play. It should be played, yeah, without any any public in the stadium. But they still were going to do the the games on. And then we started having like Arteta being um, the Arsenal head coach being tested positive. And then I can remember, I think someone from I think it was this Manchester. I can remember someone getting tested positive too. That's when I think when people realize, well, maybe we should do without football. It's been an interesting week because obviously everyone's stuck at home and there's no nothing to watch. Um, but <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of football channels are just broadcasting old games. And I think right now there's only one championship, which is the Belarusian one, that is still on because the number of cases is really, really low there. Uh, and it's funny on Twitter, I see people just starting to get into the Belarusian uh, championship because, I don't know, some people just love betting and they have no games to bet on. So they just started watching that and the, the Australian one, they're still playing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny about the, uh, the the betting bit there, Antoine, because, yeah, you have sports books over here in the U.S. that are taking bets on the uh, the, the U.S., you know, Democratic presidential mm-hmm. debates and, and things like that, uh, amongst other things. Just for context, too, for that PSG Dortmund game, that was on March 11th. That was only 10 days ago. It feels like that was <laughs> weeks was, and weeks and months oh my ago. God, that was 10 days ago. And, yeah, we're uh, recording this, obviously, on Saturday, March 21st. Wow, that feels it's amazing. Ago. Yeah. But and Antoine, I, I I wanted to ask you this because for us over here in America, I, I feel like we started taking coronavirus seriously when it was when 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 everyone found out Tom Hanks had it. Like that was the moment. Like oh, oh, Tom Hanks has it. Like that for some for whatever reason that seemed to really click into people's heads. Was was there a moment in Europe when people started to take it seriously? If it was due to maybe the the, the Daniel. Uh, Rugani, the, the 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 defensive back for uh, Juventus, or was it uh, was it kind of just oh, the, a lot of people are dying now. Maybe we should take this seriously. Um, it's a bit weird. I think yeah, Italy was really maybe not Rugani, but just Italy in general when they decided to have a lockdown. I mean, um, in Spain, in France, we or even the UK, I think they're starting a lockdown now. We kind of knew a couple of days before, oh, it's going to be coming because Italy had it a week before. But when Italy had it, it was really just waking up in one morning and seeing on my phone, oh, shit, Italy is an entire lockdown. People cannot get outside of their house or anything. 
So I think that's when like the rest of Europe started to think uh, that there was a massive crisis. But then, you know, there's some delays. Uh, France took, I think, a week before doing their own lockdown. The UK is just starting right now. And a lot of people have been criticizing their prime minister for not doing enough um, at the right moment. But in terms of football events, I think it is, well, actually a week ago. So a week ago was 14th. Yeah, on the 13th, I remember, just like all the championship starting to say that we're not going to play this weekend one after the other uh but yeah on the 12th on the 12th of march or more than a week ago i was still playing football myself like outside and no one was you know i was still handshaking people after the game or things like that no one really cares um and it's really on the friday after when like all the the liga the liga the 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 premier league started to and mls started to console each one of the games and that's when it started to to feel really real i think that was the wake-up call Although then, you know, politics got involved and um, all the presidents of every nation started to, to decide of a long done. And after. But yeah, in terms of football, I think it was the Friday the 13th when everything got really crazy. Europe, you have all these different competitions, Champions League, Europa League, but you have, you know, the Premier League, Serie A, Ligue 1, Bundesliga, go on and on and on. And then the United States, yeah, we have MLS, but you also have the NBA, the NFL, MLB. NHL, you have all these other sports going on, like in Europe, but obviously the United States is kind of the epicenter for for the world's greatest athletes when it comes to hockey, the NBA, NFL. So what are what are fans doing? What, what's the chatter around town like without sports? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit weird. I, just, I don't know. I think it's sort of like movies, politics, uh, whatever you've seen on, on Netflix the other day on TV. Um, but yeah, we don't it's funny, like we talk a lot more about football than any other sport because obviously, except from the Olympics, maybe, or when there's um, a rugby World Cup, or like right now in rugby, there was a Six Nation. But except from these big events, I, people, I mean, um, there's a minority of them who still watch rugby every week, but people don't generally talk about, oh, have you seen the rugby uh, result from last week? Whereas in the US, yeah, indeed, you have all the other sports that are, I mean, more prevalent than uh, than soccer. But I think, uh, yeah, in France, it was mostly football. So right now, people just, you know, just send a lot of memes. There's been some really good coronavirus memes. <laughs> but um, we just talk about, you know, memes, the health, is your family all right? Yeah. And whatever politics are, are doing and saying about, about the crisis right now. But yeah, I mean, I've seen, uh, yes, I think two days ago, Blaise Matuidi, French midfielder, got um, tested positive for the virus. So it's starting to, you know, feel really real because a lot of famous people, like you said, with Tom Hanks, are getting it. And um, yeah, people are being way more cautious right now, which is probably a good thing. But yeah, it's going to be an intriguing couple of weeks. People are doing challenges on social networks and yeah, trying to to get themselves uh, entertained while they're confined at home. You're not you're not on that TikTok game like Jake is. I, I was <laughs> on the TikTok. I was on the TikTok game. So I'm not, but I must admit that yesterday I had to film myself juggling with uh, toilet paper. So um, I'm not perfect anyway. Yeah, yeah. I know Jake's doing all the. I don't. I don't. I'm not on TikTok whatsoever. But uh, Jake was sending me uh, a couple of his dancing routines that everyone's doing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Antoine, we asked. We asked. Uh, you mentioned toilet paper, so I had to ask you this because we asked our last guest who was on earlier this week, uh, Eric Gomez, who uh, helped us talk about how things were going on in, in Mexico. Uh, Toilet paper situation for you. How are you doing? Uh, is it? Uh, I know over here people are raiding the the, the supermarkets of it's gold. Of, of yeah, it literally is gold right now. Mm. Well, when I was in England ten days ago, so you know, a good ten days before the long turn actually started in England, people were getting crazy about that. I remember just going to the shop at 
two or three in the afternoon. There was no toilet paper for a couple of days. Um, people were really going crazy, but way in advance, which is really interesting. I don't know why people were raiding on that and pasta. It was it was amazing. Um, at a point, I just needed some, not even for the quarantine. I needed some toilet paper, and I got like bad looks of people because I was just taking some. Um, so it was getting really mad in here. But right now, I think people started to. Um, you know, to get more relaxed about it. Uh, in Paris, a lot of people, I mean, the people that can afford it, um, went to their holiday house or, you know, family, maybe in the countryside to, to have a nicer lockdown. So um, the shops are getting, uh, you know, fuller because less people buy it. And it's, it's getting a bit better now. So um, if you're in the US, don't, maybe you don't buy three or four packs of toilet paper. You should be all right for the next couple of weeks. And um, yeah. yeah, maybe wait a bit. And as soon as the confinement starts, people just start acting normally i think sure. it's just that they're stressed out right now and let, let's let's talk about sports let's talk about soccer here let's, let's turn the page as we, as we try on every show is actually talk about sports and um jake you and i were going a little bit back and forth this is obviously started with uh, eric gomez who, who covers mls and league mx antoine when it comes to comparing the two leagues obviously you did have the frenchman gignac play in mexico so maybe there is a little bit of more tilt in France regarding Liga MX. But when it comes to the European landscape of soccer, is MLS more talked about than Liga MX or is it the other way around? Um, if you ask, I think, just a normal football fan in France or in England, they would probably think that MLS is way better than Liga MX um, just because they don't know at all about Mexican league, it's really interesting. But because we had all these big stars going to the um, to the United States and Canada, people just don't really know much about the Mexican league. It's not on any um, TV channels, or at least it wasn't a couple of years ago, I think. Whereas MLS has always kind of been uh, somewhere on TV, and uh, yeah, just the fact that a lot of football stars were going to MLS, people just think it's it's better than the Mexican league. Now, Antoine, uh, when you look at MLS, this is kind of an always an interesting thought I play around in my head, and I, I know Stephen and I we've 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 had this discussion in the past two uh, past two. If you were to take the best team in MLS right now, could they pl- could they? Who is it, Jake? Who's the best team in MLS right now? I mean, it's LAFC. That has to okay. be the best team. Would LAFC survive in the Premier League or uh, League One? I guess you're the Frenchman, so we'll we'll, we'll use League One for this. Uh, for this scenario here, would they stay up? It is so tough because obviously they don't have the same salary caps and you know requirements than a league uh, than league one team. Uh, they have you know constraints, but I would think they could you know be in the bottom of league one or maybe top of league two, just because they got way better players maybe up front. I mean, a Carlos Vela couldn't be in any other team than PSG or maybe Lyon or, or uh, I don't know Marseille in France, but. Um, just, I think they would get destroyed in the back line. Um, like MLS is Depth really problems, physical. right? Like, yeah, isn't that the big knock on MLS? Is that sure you could have the Carlos Vela who can easily play at PSG, Marseille, Lyon, whatever the the top clubs in in Europe. Let, let's be honest. Wasn't there a rumor that Vela was linked with Barcelona? But the problem with MLS and and these questions is the bottom ends of the rosters aren't very good. And I think that is a big detriment to the league is when you do have injuries or when you need the depth, it's like you've got a bunch of no-names that you kind of like. Well, they're I guess they're professional soccer players, but they don't wow you like the bench of of some of these clubs. 
Yeah, no, definitely. But I think there's two sides of it. It is so for a American fan, it could be frustrating, obviously, that um, that yeah, your team will probably never be able to compete because of salary constraints with other European teams. But for an external point of view, I actually kind of like the fact that there is a certain equity in the league, thanks to um, some salary constraints. It makes you know the league more challenging for clubs. It is really interesting because like a technical director has to really think about where to put his money because there's a constraint on money. It's not like in Europe where clubs can just spend a lot of money, especially in the Premier League, for example. And from an external point of view, like mine, that's why I got into MLS. It's because all these funky rules are actually really fun to watch and they put another level of um, strategy into the, the game. It's not just about what's on the field. It's what you can do with that money and how to get smart and how to sometimes take advantage of, of the rules. So, um, I mean, for you, it does it is a problem because obviously there's going to have Champions League and MLS get beaten up every every year by Mexican um, teams. But from a, just a pure MLS um kind of point of view it is really exciting to see how they they get past the rules and and try to uh to handle all the money that's that they're given by um, every club antoine do you think that sort of thing that cap restraint do you ever think do you think we'll ever see that in europe you know 10 20 years from now i know they were toying with the the european super league if you will uh, around this time last year with you know bayern munich and barcelona and real madrid and all the mega clubs over in europe do you ever think that there's going to come a point where we're just going to create maybe like a super league and we're just going to cap spending. And that's how teams are going to, you know, be able to build a roster underneath those uh, cap constraints. I surely think that some uh, presidents would love this. I mean, I'm thinking of the Juventus president who said like a week or two ago that he would, uh, that he doesn't think that Atalanta has his place in Champions League because they're not a big club. That's just, yeah. for me, it's just BS. But um except from that so yeah i think he's or the lyon president or the psg president would be really happy with the european super league but i think every fan of football just has to hate it it's just such a bad idea it would kill every um every local clubs it would really be a bad thing i mean i get why they have it in in the us and mls i'm not trying to get into the promotion relegation kind of debate but i get why they needed it at the beginning to kind of stabilize the game in in north america in Europe, it would be just such a shame and it would kill off every single mid and low tier clubs. Um, so I really hope that it doesn't happen, but it could really happen because obviously all the money uh, now is in the hands of, of big clubs so they can do kind of whatever they want. So, yeah. You don't want the, the promotion relegation uh, crew, whatever they're called, mafia coming yeah, I'm you. Pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty neutral on that debate. To be fair. I see some point of view i just find it's yeah. it's really annoying it's really hard to have a proper debate without being you know uh insulted or being uh, totally uh, you know you have to take one side whereas i think there's there's shades of gray it's not just black and white on that issue no i think that's uh it, it's a fascinating debate now obviously we're only two two match days in and in, in mls but antoine i mean going into the season was there a particular club that you had your eye on saying, oh, you know, they, they, they could be fascinating? I mean, is is there any draw to watching Montreal with French legend Thierry Henry? Mm. Well, first of all, it attracted so many French journalists to MLS. It's really interesting how um, as soon as Henry was signed, you had like a little bit of MLS in every newspaper, uh, sporting newspaper, not general, but sporting newspaper you always had for the first two weeks tiny tiny little pages about 
what Montreal and MLS is, is doing right now, which you didn't have before. Even when Henri was there, you had sometimes some news about it, but not that much. Whereas Henri really brought a spotlight from France to MLS, so that that's pretty cool at first. Um, but if not, I'd say um, before the season started and with the two first games, I was really hyped by Colorado Rapids. I think they've done a really good job in terms of recruitment. Um, I really like Nicolas Benezet. I really like um, Andre Shinashiki, Jack Price. They have a really solid team from like um, maybe from the defender to the, the striker. Maybe the goalkeepers are not their best, um, the best players right now, but I think they could probably get one in the summer or something. But I really like this team of the Colorado Rapids. And, you know, we were talking about the rules of MLS and how you have to play with them. I think they've done really well in, you know, drafting Shinyashiki, for example, or getting some uh, some uh, um, some trade within MLS, getting like Kalina Costa, Jonathan Lewis, or Keegan Rosenberry. So, yeah, I think the team I'm more hyped about is the Colorado Rapids right now. And Antoine, uh, what were your thoughts on Atlanta United when Joseph Martinez went down? This is actually kind of a two-part question here. So uh, give us your thoughts on Atlanta United now that uh, uh, Joseph Martinez is out for the season. And also, uh, do you (laughs) – keeping up with the French trend here with with the question that Steven has asked you, uh, could we potentially see maybe an uh, Olivier Giroud maybe fill in for him this summer? Maybe uh, Atlanta moves. I'm what just saying, he, he's what? been linked. He's been linked to MLS like for the last six yeah, months. Yeah, New I England Revolution. His name. That's where I, I want keep him. Seeing at. him. I can I totally see Atlanta making some moves to free up an open DP slot and bring in uh, Olivier Giroud. I don't Giroud. know if it works like that. Get rid of pity. <laughs> Get rid of Marco. Said and done. It's funny. I just I literally like 25 minutes ago just tweeted that I fucking love Giroud and I would love to see him in MLS. He's such a good player. Um, I'm, I've been like a massive fan of him. I'm a Chelsea fan. And obviously during the World Cup 2018 as a French uh, man, it was so good to have him on the team. I know he's not your regular type of striker. I don't know if he would suit in Atlanta, uh, Atlanta United's style of play. I would really actually doubt it. Uh, Adam Jan has been um, proving that, you know, a target striker is not maybe the best thing they, they need. Doesn't um, he fit better like- with the Galaxy? Kind of... Yeah, you know what? Yeah, rather than crossing balls to, to Chicharito, maybe crossing someone that's actually tall would be would right. Be right, but I, I I say that jokingly, but it it would make sense. You would have this Ibrahimovic. You wouldn't have his the the baggage that came with Ibrahimovic, but you do have this tall central figure, and then Chicharito could run the the channels. I don't know if it necessarily works money wise, but I I think it'd be a it'd be very interesting to see somebody paired up with Chicharito because. Jake, you watched the Houston uh, LA Galaxy game. Yes, it's one game and it's the beginning of the season, but boy, it was not it was not pretty. No, the Galaxy have not been fun to watch for at least the last sixteen months. I, I mean, unless it's an LAFC LA Galaxy match, I there, I just don't. There's nothing about the Galaxy that wows me, or there's nothing that's impressive. Like you said, the, the, the Dynamo and Galaxy match, it was a snooze fest, and then they go and lose to. The Whitecaps the next week at home, uh, one uh, one nil defeat. So yeah, it's just it's just cross after cross after cross. And, and their home opener too. Yeah, I just don't I just don't see how that's going to work with Chicharito. Not to mention too, Christian Pavone's really good on the ball. So I'm not sure why their sole sole focus is just to lob balls into the box and hope that Chicharito can get on the end of one. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and Kata is also really really good on the ball. So I, yeah, I don't get it neither. What's funny is that. 
for the next maybe what two months we're going to talk about the galaxy with only like two games played in the beginning of march <laughs> it's going to be an interesting time to uh, analyze clubs but i would love jiru maybe in montreal that would be uh, i think a good club for him and they have you know the space for designated player to to uh, sign him but literally as soon as he left arsenal i just thought he has to come to mls he'd be the perfect profile because in mls the defense are really physical and he could he could play with that and uh, be a good target man Antoine, well, it'll be interesting to see, you know, maybe Giroud will come this summer. Maybe it'll be next year. Who knows? I, I agree with you. I think he's destined to, to, to play in MLS. But we Miami. always appreciate your time. Maybe it's Miami. Maybe, who knows? I think they're waiting for Messi. I, I think they're waiting for Messi. Ronaldo, Cavani, Suarez, pretty much anybody who's ever played for Barcelona or Real Madrid is somehow linked with David Beckham's club. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Everyone but, that played in a big club, I think, is linked with David Beckham's club. <laughs> yeah that's that sounds like miami but antoine thanks again uh for joining us uh tell our listeners where we can find your work and where we can find you on social media uh it was a great pleasure guys i'm really happy uh, i've been here um so social media at antoine natron or at culture soccer if you want just a direct link to uh to our work we've got the website www.culturesoccer.com and uh yeah just a lot of contents in french every literally every league so mls usl Women's soccer, NISA, uh, whatever you want. We got a Can- Canadian Premier League too. So feel free to, to have a look at that if you speak French. We'll be happy to um, to uh, have your question. And and yeah, I'm really glad I was here. And thank you very much for the invitation. Yeah, merci beaucoup and uh, stay safe out there. <laughs> I'll try to. Thank you, guys. Big shout out, big thank you to Antoine for for joining us. And uh, Jake, yeah, uh, I have no idea what we're going to do on future episodes come midweek next week. I know we have some fantastic guests. Obviously, we still want we're doing an episode regarding the U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, we got a, a teaser here regarding USL. So we, we got some fantastic content coming up with great guests. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know if we have, like, a ESPN or an Uncle Sam's version of uh, the Ocho or something. Maybe we'll do SB Nation. I saw this yesterday where you had to post. You have $15, and you have to build your, your best six Pokemon team or whatever whatever the hell that was that they posted. I just thought, oh, my God, sports sites have, have really gone downhill in the last week. Now that we, we're... Could, we could probably do an episode on, like, the ideal shin guard for a professional footballer. Yeah, I got some ideas. I got an idea on a show we can do next week. So don't, don't, it's not all doom and gloom just yet, listeners. Yeah, listeners, be safe out there. Check in on your friends. Obviously, social distance. Do what you need to. Be smart. Um, at Unk Sam Soccer Pod, at Jake Wartroba, at Steven Jodrand. And until next time.